You're listening to Diving In, a podcast by Lexi McCrowan. Join me as I explore topics relating to health, wellness, and how to stay true to yourself. Each week, I touch on raw and often unspoken conversations with special guests as they share their experience working in the spotlight and their own personal journey to accepting themselves. Diving In is your guide to help you navigate challenges in life, whether that's relating to friendships, business, or health. I can't wait to take you on this exciting journey with me. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Alex. For my listeners, firstly, who may or may not know you, could you firstly just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, So I own Muddy Clay Play um, in Byron Bay. It's a ceramics studio. Um, A little bit different, I suppose, to your regular ceramics studio. Um, And I mean, I suppose I should talk a bit about me as well. Um, so where you're currently based. Yeah. So I, at the moment I'm based in Byron. I've been living here for the past seven years, I think. Um, well the studio is based in Byron, but I'm based in Tolofa, just perched in a little studio at the back of my friend's property, which is the best. Very beautiful. Yes. Thank (laughs) you. Where we're, where we're hosting the podcast today. We've been moving around by yeah, today. Yeah, we've been moving around today. We just did a little private class, which was awesome. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. It really, like, it showed me about, you know, what you do every day and what you take people through. Yeah, and it's quite special doing a one-on-one as well because you can just be kind of in your own little insular space mm. um, just navigating the clay. Mm. And because... For me, the way that I teach, we don't um, force anything down anyone's throat. So Mm. if I show you how to do something and you find another way to navigate it, that's fine by me, Mm. you know? So, um, yeah, like it's nice that you get to kind of choose what you want to make and I'll assist you with the navigation of that. Because for me, I think that lets people drop into it so much more. Mm. Yeah. And you like clay is a very creative thing Mm. and I feel like some people do say you know oh like I'm not a creative person I feel like you know clay isn't for me Mm -hmm. before we get into that maybe do you want to touch on were you always creative growing up oh good question um I am incredibly fortunate in the (laughs) sense that my mom and my dad are both um pretty creative people and I suppose that can be intimidating sometimes for kids growing up in that environment so instead of you know being drawn to that they can feel overwhelmed by it because they might not feel good enough to do whatever it is but for me both my parents are educators so they uh knew how to navigate both of our little minds to um really just enter into a play state yeah. So, and that's kind of what I want to talk a lot about today mm. is, you know, the power of play. Yeah. Um, so we had a play room, so a room <laughs> that was dedicated to play, yeah. um, that where they could kind of shut the door cause it would be messy and chaotic and, um, amazing. Yeah. But I thought that was normal when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, it's a playroom. Whereas a lot of kids just don't have that, not yeah. fortunate enough to kind of have that. I mean, you go outside and it's a playground for sure, but we had all sorts of little bits and pieces that we would just kind of navigate. And it, it taught me at the time 
just like how to be entirely with myself or entirely with a task, just mm-hmm. one task that I would just completely lose time. So um, I think my parents were really incredible in actually instilling that in me. Mm. But when it came to school, that's when I started to unlearn mm. um, true play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because I do always think the things that kids learn in school these days is not actually what they need when they do leave school occasionally. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I completely understand, like, the structure and how things need to be structured mm. and standardised so that um, – you know, people can receive a certain level of quality. I think there's a lot to be said about that. But at the same time, um, for me or my little mind, when I was entering into the schooling system, I kind of wanted to be in the playroom and just thought that it was the playroom, Mm. you know. So I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to do this this way. Um, And, you know, I was told, well, no, you know, you need to do it this way. Here are the instructions mm. on how to do this thing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, navigate that. And so for me, that was kind of the great unlearning. Um, yeah. So the initial point where I started to lose contact with a native tongue, a mm. language that was totally fluent to me mm. um, because I thought, okay, so that's not right in this context. Yeah. I need to do what I'm told or I need to you know, create something that looks exactly like that thing. And so it starts to become like replication and repetition yeah. rather than truly understanding um, or drawing an emotional quality from a practice, mm. anything, you know. How did you deal with that? Because sometimes when people tell you that one thing isn't right or what you're doing in this time isn't right, sometimes can be the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. And it can be quite confusing hearing from someone else. Absolutely. Like, and it's so difficult. I think for me, I have to, when I'm getting feedback from people, mm-hmm. if it's, if I've asked for the feedback, then I'm much more willing to listen to it. Yeah. If somebody's giving me unsolicited advice, I'm much less likely to listen to it yeah. because for, as far as I'm concerned, that's more about them than it is about me. And I think that's like, that's really important yeah. to, that's your inner kid trying mm. to get out. That is, that's purity. That's trying to kind of express itself, I believe. Um, and I think that kind of needs to be listened to. So mm. whatever you feel kind of strongly about, uh, I think, just do it despite the fear that is attached to that. Mm. I think if you're listening too much externally, um, you become disconnected internally and then you rely on that too heavily. You rely on other people's opinion too heavily, their accolade, everything. Mm. Um, I think the practice is to be okay with what you're doing or even happy with what you're doing despite what anybody else is saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... The, the thing that comes along with that is eventually, if it's kind of pure, pure to you, eventually you do draw a lot of people mm. because they might have the same feeling or they might have wanted to do that, the thing that you've done. And they, you know, they're, they're just incredibly drawn to that because mm. of those reasons. So, yeah, I think there's such a purity to it. And um, 
I'm very lucky. Well, I, I love a story, so I'll tell, tell a story. But I'm very, I'm very lucky um, in kind of my schooling and with my parents as well. I did have one situation that has just stuck with me forever that was really during my formative years that um, really assisted me in at least having a link to a level of confidence, um, even when I'm feeling totally void of confidence. Mm. I could kind of think about this and draw back to this. It was when I was in primary school, so still pretty young, and it was during, like, creative time. And I think, you know, I think schools are doing um, really well with that for the most part now, but for some, it's kind of like creative time is a set of instructions that you have to follow. That's not creative. Mm -hmm. That's following a set of instructions. So, you know, we had this... We were supposed to make a parachute person, and uh, why I don't know such a random thing to make <laughs> um, but yeah so we had these instructions of exactly how we needed to execute that and I at that point in time I didn't like reading I like reading now but yeah. I just did not like reading I loved pictures and colors and like you know I, I liked visual things I was mm. not interested in words um, so I kind of didn't want anything to do with that and I went to the art section and I just kind of grabbed all of these things like a milk carton and all of this stuff and I just made my own mm -hmm. version of it and um I came back into the classroom and I was just fully immersed in it I loved it again time just was lost mm. and came back into the classroom and the teacher saw what I'd done and kind of brought me up the front and I was quite I became quite stressed I could feel it in my body because I thought I was going to be told off mm. because of what I had learned in school that you know going against or doing something different is not the right thing to do and she brought me up the front and she showed everybody what I'd made and she she just praised it she was like Alex has um, done something completely different like look how wonderful it is and how proud I felt in that moment um, and how reinforcing just that one moment was um, of just doing your own mm. thing and feeling confident in doing your own thing. And so I think people can become, you know, if we apply that to, you know, now and starting your own business or there's always going to be somebody that does something similar. Sure. But if you can, if you can have a point of difference or make sure you're doing it a different way. So, you know, a lot of people might draw inspiration from Instagram or Pinterest or something like that. I remember when I was conceiving Muddy, I didn't... Like, I would follow people because I wanted to support their mm. what they were doing, but I would mute them because I didn't <laughs> want to see what they were doing because I didn't want to think that it was my idea yep. and then execute that. Mm. I really wanted to shield myself from that and have kind of a cocoon where I could conceptualize just something that was different mm. um, and something that was my own. And so having kind of that shielding and not being hijacked mm. by somebody else's idea or, you know, people being drawn to something else, it, it really helped mm. me for sure. Yeah, but I think back at that, like, little Alex and, you know, standing yep. up the front of the class and Aww. just, you know, feeling so proud yeah. of um, essentially not doing the right thing. Yeah. So, or, or what is kind of deemed to be the right thing. So I really, I lean on that mm. a lot. Um, 
when I'm feeling shaky, for sure. Oh, I love that. Mm. And growing up, I guess, along your journey, when did you discover clay and your mm. love for it? Yes. Okay. So, well, I'm from South Australia, um, grew up, was born and grew up in Wyala. And my friend's mum, so my parents would get um, home a little bit later. So Megan and I would walk to her parents' house after school. And Stelline, her mum is a potter and she had like their back shed was just full of her pottery as well as their house. And she had a kiln and um, the clay there. And so she just taught us how to hand build. Um, And I mean, I think the first thing that I made was this like weird bee. Um, (laughs) I mean, so random, such a random thing to make. (laughs) But that's the thing with kids like they make the, they make the purest things, whatever they're thinking about. That's what they execute. They're not thinking about. I want to make a cup and I want to make it perfectly so that I can feel good about its perfection. Yeah. All they're doing is playing. Yeah. And the beauty in that is like so incredible because they're not getting hijacked by any, anything. Mm. They're just fully in it. And like how calming that is for them um, and expressive that is for them is incredible, you know? And I, I think my, uh, my like parents' house, I've still got the bee like sitting around somewhere. It's like totally anatomically incorrect. It's got like a stinger <laughs> on like the back of it and it's really random. But anyway, that was my entry point into hand building. And then I just kind of dabbled and dabbled um, and continued like growing up. Um, yeah. 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 And then for someone that has never done clay or pottery, how would you describe it and what do your workshops offer? Cool. So for somebody that hasn't done pottery, we specifically do hand building. So Mm -hmm. when people think of pottery, a lot of the time they think of that movie ghost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The wheel throwing. Yeah. So it's totally different. Mm -hmm. So you are just using your um, hands to build particular shapes and you're using kind of different techniques, of course, that we teach you, but it's incredibly accessible. So anybody that's done a wheel throwing course before and has felt um, that it wasn't something that they took to immediately, that's really normal. Mm. Um, whereas with hand building, it's wildly accessible for somebody that has never touched clay before. And you're literally working with the earth. Clay is foraged from the ground um, and you can get all different types of it, of course. But, you know, it's something that kind of reconnects you and re grounds you yeah I think um and so it can be a very beautiful practice if you let it Mm. but however you interact with the world is how you interact with the clay so if you are you know quite perfectionistic for example you know that's how you're going to interact with the clay and it can be a beautiful um practice to kind of be a little bit wonky Mm. so you know drop that be a little bit wonky be imperfect and just really celebrate that Mm. and also be childlike So if you were to, I mean, you mentioned earlier today about, you know, you trying to enter, you trying to tap into your inner child. Mm -hmm. So that is what we do. Yes. So that's muddy. Yeah. Yeah. That's muddy. So, um, really tapping into your inner kid and, um, trying to nurture that and it can be difficult to begin with but that's the environment that we provide Mm -hmm. um is a cocoon for complete play state um just so you can see how that goes for you yeah um and sure somebody might walk in the door and think okay i want to make two mugs for you know my morning cup of tea amazing we'll do that but 
you know, it's more often than not, people get so much more from the process than they do the result. They Mm. love the result, Mm. but it's really interesting watching people throughout the process, seeing how they interact with it and then seeing how they experience it afterwards. Mm. How's their, how are they for the rest of the day? Mm. You know, after that experience. Um, And I've had so many people, you know, in classes, community classes or the courses that we do that will just let me know at the start, I'm not going to be good at this, Alex. I'm just letting you know I've never touched clay. I'm going to be so bad. Um, And it's funny, the self-talk that comes up for people initially because I don't, there is no good or bad. There Mm. really isn't. Like I mentioned. right or wrong. Yeah, there isn't. Mm. Like you can make that so, but if you think about it, somebody just made it up once. Mm. Those rules were made up by somebody. Like, why are we gravitating towards that and saying, oh, okay, well, that's how we have to do it. It's like you're almost setting yourself up to think that mm. once, even before you start the clay, mm-hmm. that mm. you're not going to enjoy it. It's not yeah. going to be good. Yeah. And what is good? Like, you know, and that's what I want to deconstruct for people. Mm. I want, I do want them to enter into a level of play state. And of course I want them to come out with something that they are going to like, but I don't think I've ever had somebody in a class that has come to the end and thought that was terrible and I, ha- mm. I hate what I've made. So the experience and, and kind of their internal climate, um, I think allows them to see things in a different way. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, you know, if, if somebody's expecting an entire dinner set in one class, it's not going to happen, of course. But whenever people enter in, they're often like, okay, well, what are we making? Whatever you want Mm. to make. Like, what do you want to make? What Mm. kind of comes naturally to you? And you can also, if people get stuck on, well, I'm not sure what I want to make, then I just ask them, okay, well, you know, where are you at? Like at the moment in, in your day, how, how do you want to feel? So you've got more yang practice and you've got more yin practice Mm -hmm. in clay. So what you did today, slab rolling, that's more of a yang practice. You're measuring, you're rolling out, you're doing all of these different separate Mm. things. Whereas a more repetitious process is your pinch work Mm. or your coil work. So it's just this gentle repetition, continuous repetition, and it's kind of hypnotic. Um, So if somebody can teach you, which we do, how to execute just that one task, Mm. then you can kind of replicate that and create these insane forms Mm. in one class. Mm. Um, And it's something that you can do at home as well. So hand building is something that you can transition back into your home space and um, if, if you like it and you can just mush it up, whatever you make, you can mush up and like, you know, rehydrate it and go again the next day. You don't have to kind of keep everything. There's like impermanence to it as well. Mm. And clay is wild. You can't accelerate the process. You can't, and you can't have expectation because however, whatever your expectation is, if you're kind of married to a particular shape or, color or anything it's never going to look like that Mm. ever so you you have to get comfortable with you know what is uncomfortable you have Mm. to get comfortable with not knowing Mm. and I think that's the beauty of it like every time I open up the kiln it's just the most exciting thing it's like Christmas morning Mm. you know a kid on Christmas morning just yeah you're just like opening up and you've just got these 
pieces that people Mm. have made with their hands from the earth that they can now use Mm. you know like a vase that you know you you can put sunflowers in or and you'll have forever that you have forever and it's also it's kind of an affirmation symbol as well because if you do that for yourself or if you do that with another person so instead of going out to dinner um, and spending lots of money on that which can be a beautiful thing to do but why not have an experience so why not do something Mm. with that other person so that's not only a a level of play that you can have with one another um, but you're also getting a product something that you've made that every time you look at it it's going to remind you Mm. of that time that you had with that person and I think that's incredibly beautiful Mm. yeah well the funny thing is the favorite parts of what we did today were like when you pulled out the ruler and I said to you yeah. my god I can't remember the last time yeah. I used a ruler totally. or like painting like yeah, yeah, my inner sure. child like it was so yeah. much fun and like mm. focusing on it and becoming present with it it was mm. like nothing else mattered yeah. for the first time you know and that's something that I really struggle with to really focus and concentrate mm. on mm. things and for the first time I could really reconnect with that mm. yeah and that's beautiful isn't it mm. like you know, yeah, using things and doing things that you haven't done in so long. And I think people are not, certainly not everyone, but I think, you know, we have play trained out of us mm. because we think that, well, that's not going to be functional for us in our adult lives. Mm. Like we have to work, we have to do these particular well, things. T- told to like, maybe put on a suit or grow mm. up and like go yeah, out yeah. and get a job. Yeah, or- and what does that mean? Like, I think, you know, Absolutely. Like Mm. we're looking at jobs, we're looking at our lives um, in, you know, how somebody else might have taught us maybe. But keeping play, I think, is just the most fundamental thing that you could possibly do for yourself Mm. as an adult. So if you feel that you've lost touch with that and, and play truly for play. So not play for a particular end goal. So competitive play can be tricky. Um, because that is for a particular end game. But think about a kid in a sandpit. They're mm. just playing. Yeah. Just because, you know, if, if you can train that, then the amount of joy that that can inject into your life is just so potent. Mm. Mm. And I guess muddy is a big part of what you do in your mm-hmm. day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. Could you touch on how it has formed into what it is today yeah sure um well I mentioned to you earlier that I'd opened up muddy and it was just out the back of my house so it's not as if there were big overheads or anything but I opened it up you know a few months before COVID hit Mm -hmm. and I wasn't you know too devastated or anything um but I just thought to myself oh okay well I guess this just isn't going to be a thing that's fine um and Part of me, I mean, I guess there was a partial relief in that as well because I'm like, oh, I don't have to like fully put myself out there because I was petrified. Mm. Um, I just really thought that it wasn't good enough, it wasn't something enough or it was too much of something else. So real extreme kind of fear came up for me. Um, And I, I kind of launched it anyway, but then that put a halt to things. But after that, a few people... um mentioned doing things online and we know now that everything has shifted to online but Mm. back then 
that just wasn't a thing, you know. Of course, we had like online shopping and everything like that, but um, you know, you couldn't do yeah a, a pottery course online that I know of. Certainly not a hand building mm. course because hand building was considered kind of the poor man's clay back then, which I think it's just the best thing ever. Um, but anyway, long story short, I brought it kind of online. I I just did free because so many people had lost their jobs, so I just did free. Um, Instagram live sessions and Mm. I would tell people when they were going to be on so the first one I had booked for kind of a few weeks after I'd I'd launched it and I made these um, really quickly made these kind of clay kits that people could um, very simple buy online and if they couldn't do that then I just taught them how to use things from there trade out the tools for stuff in their kitchen Um, and yeah, I remember just being literally a pool of sweat before I did the first one because I'm just like, nobody's going to join this. Um, my parents will, but I'm not sure if anyone else will. And then, you know, as soon as I kind of did the, um, clicked live, like there were just these people joining like one after another Mm. and, it was just the most beautifully connective experience for me and the feedback I got from other people was amazing. Um, and we all just did it together and they could ask me questions in real time and I could just, you know, so we were all around Australia and some different parts of the mm. world for the first one. I had over 50 people wow. and yeah, we just made, what did we make? Oh, just your classic booby mug. So we, yeah, I'm like, what's a funny thing that we yeah. can do? So we all made that um, together and then people just took photos and videos of what they'd made and posted it online after that. that and like tagged me in it. And so it was so much fun for me afterwards to just like look at yep. all of the different iterations. I gave everyone the exact same instructions and they all came up with entirely different results. It was yep. like the most beautiful thing. And it's funny because mm. we talked about it in the car, like when you were saying you first started your business and having that doubt and, mm. you know, just having to sit through and go through mm-hmm. that anyway mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. do it because you want to help other people mm. and it's that's the most rewarding thing for you. Mm. Yeah, well, I... I mean, I definitely had to sit in it, but I had some friends that were like pretty pivotal in um, supporting me mm. through that for sure. So I was very lucky to surround myself with people that really did champion what mm. I was doing. And when I was feeling super shaky and just wanted to kind of bail on the idea, they just didn't let me. Mm. And they just really, um, you know, I had... Um, Saren, who did all my graphic design stuff, which was, I just love. And I had my friend Zoe um, and also Lucy. Like, they were just, at that point in time, they were integral Mm. to um, the beginning and me actually launching Muddy. Mm. Um, And I really do think that so many people, I think that's the human experience, is that extreme doubting of self. Um, And whether or not we can you know, move past that. I don't know. But for me, it's not necessarily moving past that. I know that that's going to come, but it's sitting with it and being okay with it and doing it anyway. Mm. Mm. That's so true. And we also touched on, you know, switching off. Mm. One thing that I find Mm -hmm. really difficult to do since running your own business, how have you managed to find a work-life balance and what keeps you grounded? Yeah. Yeah. So 
um, that took me a really long time. Like I, um, the first few years of Muddy, I mean, after the online things, it just went kabam. Like Mm. I didn't realize that it was going to do that at all. And I just kind of wanted to go with where the energy was flowing. And so I didn't have a work-life balance, um, at all. And it wasn't healthy. Mm. Um, I like had fully immersed myself in it and I just wasn't resting, um, as much as I needed to. I had, um, a friend helping me. So Megan, the girl whose mum taught us clay. Yeah. So she assisted with teaching the private classes, but we just had like a three or four month wait list um, of, yeah, of classes. And mm. I was just kind of doing them um, back to back. I just wanted to share it with everyone. And I was so excited by it. Um, but I really hit um, quite a bit of burnout and I just couldn't, I need to be well and and really present for me to fully offer it to Mm. other people. So I needed to, I needed to kind of take a little bit of time to reestablish exactly what Muddy was about, Mm. what I wanted to offer really clearly. So not looking at what other people are doing or not trying to offer everything, being really clear about a very simple model of what I want to offer. Mm. And just executing that in really well, um, in a really potent way. Um, and yeah, I have a very particular style of teaching that kind of creates an environment where people can be in a playground. Mm-hmm. Um, so they feel safe to do that. So that's what I want to do. Um, and I had to be really careful with social media, to be honest, because that was both the thing that launched my business, Instagram, but also the thing that was, I just became addicted to and was just, I was constantly checking it. I was responding to people and it was almost like just this 24 hour service. And that's Mm. just not okay for people's expectations for one, but also for me, it just Mm. wasn't okay. So I had to start to build kind of parameters around that. Um, and I had to really structure my days. So instead of me just kind of flowing in and flowing out, I needed a huge amount of structure. So, and a time that I would play. Mm -hmm. So I needed to schedule in that time that I would play myself because I lost that funnily enough, Mm -hmm. like during starting the business, I stopped kind of doing the clay play. Um, which I need to do. So I need to have like time and space and I'm quite introverted. So I need a lot of time by myself too. So yeah, I would say for me, implementing the structure and saying no Mm. to a lot of things as well that seem like opportunities, but we're just going to rob me of time. Yeah. Mm. And what has been the most rewarding thing since beginning your clay journey? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, so the most rewarding thing is for me, just being able to share, um, share what I really, really enjoy doing with other people in the way that I want to share it. Mm. And it's been incredible, the reception of that. So how, um, how many people have been drawn to that and even people that have just been tagging along, um, with a group of friends or, um, 
guys tagging along with their girlfriends that are like, yeah, whatever, I'm not going to enjoy this. And then they're the ones at the end that are just perfecting their shape and they don't want to leave. And it's like, it's the most beautiful thing for me to watch other people Mm. in the space. Like it really fills my cup. Um, And being able to connect with the creative community around here, which is incredibly supportive, has just been huge for me. The amount of personal growth that I've had just by flexing into this space of doing, like launching something by myself Mm. that I did not um, think that I was kind of going to do. It's certainly not something that I grew up thinking that I was going to do, but it's the best thing that I've done. Just kind of, yeah, taking a risk. Mm. Um, and taking a, a calculated risk for sure like I didn't have huge overheads like I mentioned at the start which gave me freedom so instead of me being worried about finances I was just like cool I can just do this really organically and mm. see where it goes yeah yeah and I always feel like creativity it like comes in waves oh a hundred percent like how yeah. do you keep your creativity flowing yeah well I don't um so for starters <laughs> um so I will have like really stagnant periods and it's funny if you're doing like commission work or you need to have ideas um it's it's a funny thing because you know it's not something that you can just turn a tap on and be like mm. yeah cool I've got this great idea um so for me again it draws back to play like I, if I become too um, rigid with what I need to be doing or how something needs to look, I know that I've that I've lost it, and I really need to re-navigate back to a play state. So that will either be by myself in yeah. the studio, or it will be with friends, and we will just totally play. And I will be making things, and often I will. Um, my intention will be to rehydrate them. So to not keep them. Yeah. So just completely entering into um, a child state, tapping into my inner kid. So that might be like putting on, you know, random clothes Mm. and like putting on like an old playlist or like whatever, something to click you out of, you know, what you're doing at the time and transport you back to a time that, um, you know, was much more play conducive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Mm. And where do you draw inspiration from when creating pieces? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I can be quite perfectionistic (laughs) with things as well. uh, That was one thing I struggled with in the workshop. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It is. And it's like... That's that was my like intention for the class, you know, mm-hmm. to be imperfect. Like mm-hmm. I really started yeah. to like just yeah. have to challenge that within the totally. class. Totally, yeah, yeah. And it's such a it's such a beautiful place to challenge that mm. because it's okay. Like that is one context where it's so okay if something is not you know how you think it's going to be. Yeah. Um. And when is anything how you think it's going to be? So we mm. may as well get like relatively comfortable with that. Yeah. For me, I will often start to create a structure, and I will become quite, um, quite perfect with it. And mm. when I'm drawing towards that, how can I make this weird? So my inspiration is often when I'm doing kids classes, I just watch them. Yeah. And especially, you know, the four and a half, five-year-olds, they're in pure play state and they just make the weirdest stuff. You almost want their creativity. Like, oh, it's, yeah, it's you pure. so do. It's so pure. Yeah. And they make the most random stuff and it's hilarious. Yeah. It is insane. 
And I mentioned to you before, one of my favorite ceramic artists is Emma Gale. She's a local painter, um, but she does these really limited drops of um, often vases and they are so to me they're so beautifully childlike mm. um and yeah the curvature mm. or the shape yeah it is it's just stunning yeah and you know it can't really be replicated um because of like the imperfection there's like a dent here a curve there mm. a point there um and it makes me feel a particular way like I get an emotional quality from yeah that. so that's what I want to practice is like continually you know, thinking about, well, how can I make this strange? Mm. How can I make this a little bit weird? It's like my sister, actually, for my 18th birthday, she she's quite a good painter. Yeah, cool. She painted me this piece, and it was of a girl, and she just used one line and created a shape in the body. Yeah, wow. And then she went in with colours, like, over the top of it, mm-hmm. really beautiful light oranges, like pinks and she wrote a note on the back of it and it was describing that all female bodies are different shapes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. come in different forms like and it was describing like the way she used colors and Mm -hmm. like what these colors represented for me and it was just a reminder to Mm. me that like you know everyone's unique and everyone's different yeah 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 it's absolutely even if you're like I said earlier like I'll be giving everybody the same instructions, Mm. um, you know, for a particular shape that they might be trying to achieve Mm. and they will all come up with different results, all of them, you know, and that, isn't that like an incredible thing? Yeah. You know, they can't replicate one another because it is so unique to them. The way they move their fingers is incredibly unique to them. Um, So it's always going to be different Mm. to the person next to them, which I think is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what has been your favorite piece to make so far? So my favorite piece that I've made. Um, so a while ago, um, one of my favorite stores um, was hosting a an exhibition. It was called Potted. And um, it was essentially a series of 50 artists from around the world, ceramic artists, and they all needed to come up with concepts for pots. Yeah. And I mean, when we think of a pot, it's quite simple, right? Mm. Like quite a simple structure. And so it's an exhibition. So I was, I said that I would be involved in it if I could think of something that I wanted to bring to the table, Mm. something unique. And I was kind of drawing one morning, I was drawing like concepts for candles and I was just doing these kind of wobbled shapes, fitting them together. Um, And I looked at it and I was like, wow, that would actually look really cool as a series of slabs, a series of slabbed shapes, like mm. sitting on top of one another. And then if I could n- nestle a pot in there, that could be a really beautifully sculptural structure. Mm. And I hadn't seen anybody do anything like that. Um, and so that felt really exciting to me um, because it wasn't something that I, you know, was replicating of somebody else's or, um, somewhere I drew inspiration from anything it was just a series of drawings that Mm. I'd done that morning and so I executed um, a number of those and I just loved them like it was just really um, yeah it just I I did a very simple color I just did a very milky color palette because the shapes themselves were quite odd Mm. so yeah I came up with like this a shelf essentially 
um, made out of weird shapes with, yeah, a pot that sat um, kind of in between those shapes. And then you could have like a tapered plant that would fall out of that. Mm. So, yeah, they were probably my favourite shapes that I've made. Not necessarily because of um, the form themselves, but because of how excited it made me feel to Mm. kind of come up with something that felt like just completely my own. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I guess it can be hard with having your own business. I mean, you did say that you kind of muted other accounts that you followed on Instagram and just supported them from the sidelines. Yeah. How do you kind of stay true to yourself within your business and Mm. what you do? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think with the amount of information we can access and have from other people, um, and it can be really exciting Mm. to you have that information and really see and support other incredible artists. But I think there's a difficulty if you if you see an artist um that might be doing something similar to you say ceramics for me um and they might be doing incredibly well i think humans are kind of wired to be naturally drawn towards things that people are commending yeah you know so even if we don't even if it's subconscious we're kind of drawn towards oh that is working well Mm. for that person so for me i really noticed a pull there sometimes Mm. and I just didn't want that so I think that kind of jeopardized um you know my own practice um and so I needed to like like I mentioned before I really needed to make sure that I wasn't um like I wasn't exposing myself (laughs) to a lot of ceramic artists and this is just for me personally because some people draw beautiful inspiration from there Mm. but for me it I would become more hijacked by what somebody else was doing and feel as if I needed to do it and I would kind of compare and I think comparison um is the death of the of creativity Mm. comparison is the death of a childlike state for me so I just didn't want to do that so for me to not do that I needed to just remove myself from Mm. it entirely and instead become inspired by random things like a stone yeah that's on the floor you know and just you know really immerse myself in um things that allowed me to observe Mm. So, I mean, for many people and most people, I believe that is kind of nature, you know, being outside. So if that kind of allows you to achieve some level of pause, you will see so much Mm. that's around you um, and you can translate that into whatever you're doing. Mm. Well, there's that saying, disconnect to reconnect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and that's just the perfect kind of explanation for it as well of... um, you know, doing something totally different. So just don't do the thing that you're doing. Mm. If you're feeling stagnant in that, go and do something else entirely different. Like I did an art class the other day um, at Brea, which is a, a local um, florist that do really beautifully strange arrangements. Um, and Nadira was the artist that kind of came in. She's an abstract artist and um it was just the best thing ever like we were using charcoal initially and we were doing these kind of one minute drawings and there were these beautiful parameters that were in place that allowed you to just force yourself into this state where you were just doing it Mm. you were just doing it instead of thinking interacting with thought too much 
And after that, I went into the studio and I just made. Because mm. instantly I felt totally reinvigorated to just, you know, follow kind of my own guidance of what yeah. I wanted to do. And I felt really excited again mm. about it. So, like, I want to feel excited like a child when I'm, yeah. when I'm making and when I'm doing something. So I think kind of allowing somebody else to teach you their mm. craft is, like, yeah. such a cool way to enter back into your own. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm. And I always like to finish off by asking what's one quote or saying that has stuck mm. by you growing up? I, I love this question. <laughs> I read it when you sent the questions through and I love that question because I thought, I was like, oh no, what, what, I, do I have one? And I actually do. Um, wherever you go, there you are. Okay. So, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 thinking about it. So for me... Um, that means like, you know, it, geographically, wherever you go, you are going to essentially be the same person. Mm. So if you're trying to remove yourself from particular context because you you think by going over here, you're going to be different somehow or, or moving over there, then, mm. then you're going to have the thing or be the person that you want to be. For me, it's kind of remaining in the same environment and navigating that environment Mm. um, and navigating myself in that environment Um, because then I I can really experience myself. I can really experience my habits and behaviours and the people around me and I can, instead of being distracted um, by another location or another space, place, anything, um, I can just learn to be in that environment and mm. be kind of the better version of myself in that environment. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So wherever you go, there you are. That's and I a just, good one. yeah, I wonder what that kind of brings up for people as well when they think about that. I read it in a book mm. um, called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Have you ever heard that book? <laughs> no. I, I, I read it so long ago and it's it's a classic. Like yeah. it's such it's a good it's a good one. Um and it it explains that okay that quote wherever oh, you go I'll there you are. Have to look it up, maybe get it. Mm, yeah. It's a good one. I mean each to their own. Some people would probably hate it, but um when I read it I was I was um pretty young and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. Well, thank you so much for joining me and for just sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for anyone that wants to do a workshop or might Mm -hmm. want to come in for a class when Mm -hmm. they're in Byron, you can Mm -hmm. just follow Alex on Instagram. It's muddy.clayplay. Yes. So muddy.clayplay is for all the classes and there are like free online tutorials you can do as well. And mud.smith is the commission work that I do. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Thank you.